Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 188. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. And I'm Brent Wingate. And this week on Homo Superior, we celebrate Asian American and Pacifica Islander Heritage Month. Uh, X Corp got its debut issue, and some other titles happened, some of which will happen no more. Uh, Marvel has announced a brand new game. We can't wait till he goes to his first Fire Island trip. Uh, some old shows are getting an update. And lastly, the first trailer drop for Venom 2, The Unvenoming. Um, so some <laughs> quick meta stuff. Uh, this week, we reviewed the Amazon Prime adaptation of Invincible Season 1 with returning guest uh, Sean Ellis of Saturday Morning Cartoon- Cartoons Podcast. Saturday, blah, sorry. Saturday Morning Cartoons Podcast. Why did you make us do this? So you would listen, damn it. Okay. Uh, let's do actual stuff. Uh, it's, it's, it, I, I don't, I've never heard someone say AAPI out loud. It's, I've always heard the full Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Do people say Appy or do, is there like a shorthand way of they saying say it? They say AAPI or Asian okay. American Pacific Islander. Yeah. Um, so this, uh, issue, let's just talk about some of your favorite, uh, AAPI characters, uh, from comics, uh, comic book movies, anywhere. Um, Kaylin, why don't you start? Great. Um, I think it's very appropriate for today is when we get into comics. Uh, my favorite character is actually somebody who's pretty new. It's Trinary from the X-Books. Uh, she was introduced in X-Men Red. A few years ago, she's been a, she's an ex core, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. She's Indian, and she's also uh, at least in this issue of, of uh, ex core, she's in Mumbai, which is where I'm born. So just really exciting seeing representation uh, on, in uh, the X books um, with Trinary. Brent, I like Trinary a lot, and I think um, maybe it's because she hasn't had a lot of issues around her, but there's something that I think is nice to see about a character who isn't, oh, we've got this young female we're bringing in. They've got to be a tough, mean, bad bitch constantly. Like she already seems like a very smart, but um, earnest and sincere person rather than I think the, we got to make a strong female type uh, when we add a new character. So I'm excited for her going forward. Um, I think for me, my pick is from the uh, MCU, uh, Ned Leeds, who's played by Jason Batalon, or I I apologize if I mispronounce his name, but I think he's just got the character adds so much fullness to Peter Parker, who on his own would just, I think he might feel a little bit too nerdy. Um, You know, he, he, it really makes him feel like a friendlier person. And also the character, one thing I like about the way that he was done was that they never really, they, he is not the fat friend. They, are, they do not try and um, cornhole uh, or shoehorn, sorry, his, his humor into one, you know, one dimension. Yeah. I forgot about Ned Leeds, uh, but that's great. And like, I love that the way, like they, um, in the comics, he's just a white guy and like they made him, um, uh, I'm not really sure what his ethnicity is. I think he might be Filipino. He is, yeah. uh, Filipino American. Um, but like, he's he's fantastic, and they don't like go into the tropes like you mentioned, Brent. He's just he's great. Ryan, 
Um, yeah, that was a good pull. Um, I, uh, I love me some new X-Men. You know that. So I'm going to spotlight Noriko Ashida, which is um, Surge in the comics. Um, I love this bitch so much. She has anger issues uh, and hypertension and all these other <laughs> things. But she's very unapologetic for it. She's a real natural leader. And she's just really uh, a great character. Like, she's unapologetically herself a lot. Um, over the years, she hasn't been in the spotlight that much but i i really just enjoy her as a character she also chooses to dye her hair blue all the time and that's pretty fun like that's a that's a big undertaking that's more than like most of the x-men can even do on a daily basis so i appreciate her um yeah i i'm a huge fan uh, Brent? uh is uh is hypertension like one of her mutant powers or is it like gentle's mutant power that as she uses her powers it, she increasingly goes at risk for having a heart attack. So she she controls electricity so she can expel it from her body, but also she can move faster through like uh, inhaling sort of electricity as well and then moving that way. Um, so I always took it as she has this internal sort of like struggle with her. So she's got <laughs> and like tries to run with it. Like it, I that's how I perceived it. So maybe I'm wrong, but I think she spoke on that before. Um, I don't know. She's, I, I just really like her a lot. What do you think, Clark? Um, mine is uh, Faiza Hussein from the um, Captain Britain in the MI-13. Oh, uh, great. Pakistani character. She's fucking so interesting. Uh, she's a Muslim character, which we don't get enough of in comic dumb, especially ones where they are considered heroes, which, you know, they happens way too much and you know all sorts of comicdom and and entertainment as well um she's just interesting she has a good power set where like she can literally just um break apart someone's body without killing them and like either fix them or just totally fuck them up like she did with scrolls at the beginning of that series i mean she's smart she's interesting she's not some some kind of like mary sue-esque she is the entry point character for that series but she isn't like an entry point character series, a character of a series where you're like, oh my God, we just suffer through this character in order to get to, you know, what we want to see. Um, she also carries Excalibur, which is cool. I don't know. I really like interested in her and I like her partnerships with all the other characters in the series. She can hold her own with Pete Wisdom and uh, stupid old Black Knight. She's uh, better. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm so glad you mentioned her because I completely forgot about her. Uh, I loved her in Paul Cornell's Captain Britain and, and MI-13 because when it was coming out, like it was just a, it was only a, a few years after 9-11. It was definitely during like, you know, during the Iraq war and the, the uh, uh, Afghanistan war and just having like a British character who's like, you know, she's like Pakistani British, you know, like, and that was like, that's so important to me considering like how like both like, like South Asians, Indians and Pakistani specifically have been part of like the UK for so long, but there's a lot of like racism and segregation uh, in those communities. So just seeing her there was just absolutely great. So thanks for thanks for that reminder. Mm -hmm. So uh, we at Homo Superior wish everyone a happy Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And we will also use this time to remind you to consume content created by Asian Americans Pacific Islanders, not just because diversity itself is important, but also because there's a lot of great fucking content out there. And there's a lot of new, uh, not a lot of streaming services that are often offering it to us as, you know, kind of package deals. 
So um, check some of that stuff out. Um, let's get into some of those comics, though. Uh, Kaylin, do you want to take us through them? Sure. Uh, well, this week we saw the first issue of the long-awaited X-Corps uh, featuring uh, Monet uh, St. Croix, can never say her last name correctly, and Warren Worthington. Uh, it's written by Teeny Howard, who, uh, of course, has been doing Excalibur for the last year and a half. And the artist is Alberto uh, Fauché. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. So co-CEOs Monet and Warren are set to publicly launch X-Corp, but before they can, they've got to expand their board of directors and deal with an unscrupulous one percenter named Jean-Pierre Quoi, Quoi, who's, who's blackmailing them into giving him more money, as one percenters often do. Uh, Trinary, who I mentioned before, and Madrox join the cast, and hilarity ensues. So uh, let's get into a little discussion here. What are your overall thoughts of this book? Uh, the one question you have quickly is that, that can this concept last longer than 10 to 15 issues? Um, this felt like 10 to 15 issues. <laughs> fair fair it point. It was so much. And not that I didn't get it. It's just, it, it was, there was just not so much going on. It was just, just so much nonsense, so much words that just kept happening. I didn't want to read that much. And that sounds dumb from somebody who's like, an English and theater major, but it was way too much. And they said the same thing 3000 times. I, I was not concerned by this book at all. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so what is their business again? They're, they're into <laughs> horse racing. What is it now? What is it? They, they give genetically modified horses. Like what the fuck is it? What is it? Also, we have a big business. It's fucking the Hellfire Club already. Like they're already doing this shit in Marauders. Like I don't know why. I it, it's not bad. I like this concept. I like seeing the more corporate side of it because that's literally my day to day life. So I'm like, oh, oh Monet, just tell everyone they're dumb all the time. Like that's, I mean, that's a little like fantasy that I want to see. But I do, I don't know what the basic premise of this is yet. Uh, other than we want to get more businesses, but I guess that is corporate America, but like, uh, it's fine. It's fine. I, it's the first issue. So maybe they're trying to cover a lot of ground, but I don't know what, where we're going with this. Maybe, maybe we re review accounts payable in the next issue. <laughs> maybe, maybe HR, a HR. Oh, well, we got to wait for Adam. I, I feel like the extra pages with this will just be like PowerPoint presentations, just, you know, the condensed versions though, with like notes on the bottom. I feel like it's, I don't know. Uh, I, 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 the jury's still out for me on this one. Uh, Brent, you, you seem to have something to say. Yeah. I, I, I in fact do. Um, <laughs> I, I think I agree that there's something weird about, well, what, what if this is, if this is business X-Men, what's the point of the hellfire trading company but in my mind the way i kind of brush that away is the hellfire trading company was like the first start to the this business network and now they're just going to act as distribution and that this might actually act as their kind of like industry their r d and um you know kind of the the forward-facing corporate part of that um i do think it's a little bit odd at this point to spend so much time what seems like building the team. Mm -hmm. I think that that could have been developed a lot quicker. Um, even though I love that it's, you know, Jamie and Trinary who are joining. 
it just seemed like, I don't know, like if someone was, you know, someone's like writing a business movie and they're like, well, we're business people. We do documents. So where are my deals? It's time to get this industry up. Um, but I, I hope there's more potential for it later. Cause I think the negotiation element is some of the most interesting stuff and to have it from the actual specific financial perspective would be really fascinating. Um, Kaylin. Oh, Clark, go ahead. If you've got a quick point. Um, I, talking about your gathering of the board, that should have already happened. We should not have seen that at all. It was very strange. It seemed like this company didn't exist more than a day ago. It, it just, I don't know. Xavier has been grabbing up institutions for what the last, since we started reading this, they were talking about that in some, um, you know, the infographic pages. It just seemed, I don't know, like just was way too late for what it was doing. And I know the comic was supposed to come out six months ago or something, but it should have, everything should have already happened. Kayla. So do you remember in the fourth issue of X-Men when you had uh, Charles Magneto and Apocalypse going to Davos and you've got Magneto like tells like all the other like business leaders, world leaders around the table. It's like, we're going to play your game. We're going to buy up your products. We're going to buy the politicians that you buy. And then ultimately we'll buy you. I feel like that was like the, like the high concept for this book. This, like that's what it should have been. And it, maybe it will be. I just feel like the first issue uh, first by like focusing in on like, Krakoa's like like pharmaceutical production while I get it it's their biggest export um it makes it too similar to Marauders uh to like to Clark's point like this is not I mean okay sure it's the X-Men universe it's it's the Marvel universe maybe that's how you gather the board of directors like you're gathering another X team but like it it should have happened a lot sooner um and it, it just I don't know like like I like, I wanted to like it so much. And I do actually think unlike Excalibur, uh, Teeny's got the voices down pretty well. Like I like the way that she writes Monet. I like the way she writes Warren. I even like the way she writes um, Madrox to a certain degree. And that's a tough character to get right. Um, but like, it just felt like a slog in so many ways. And I, I think that's like what Clark mentioned. Like it just felt like there's a lot of content that happened in the first issue. And then I, when I was writing up the recap, I was like, a lot, a lot didn't happen. Why did it feel so dense? Brent? Yeah, I think that probably some ways that it could have also been streamlined other than just not building the team or maybe not streamlined, but possibly improved. You know, Angel is having this negotiation with this shady robot horse dealer. Um, and the guy's like, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to increase your, we're going to make it impossible for you to continue working in the Savage Land with this UN document. Ooh, uh, this like, like useless threat. So you better pay us more money. And I thought that, uh, you know, Warren had an interesting point, which was like, why don't we just buy this guy out and not deal with it? And I thought that would have been, it would have looked like capitulation, but then to have the real plot be them taking over all of this guy's holdings. So now that they own like all the stuff he used to um, might have been more interesting as like a surprise than guess what? Our, our unusually large corporation actually flies through the air. Um, you know, it, it, seeing the facility at Savage Land being blown up 
Like, I don't know. It just, I also didn't feel anything there for it. I didn't know what the point of that stuff was. Well, it's going to go, uh, the next issue is going to go right into the Hellfire Gala. So I, I'm worried that it's going to uh, maybe go the same fate as X-Factor, the book we're talking about next. You know, conceptually, these, these books, I don't know if can last longer than 10 or 15 issues, but maybe that's okay. Maybe it's just there to like kind of set up like certain aspects of Krakoan society and like where the X books are going. And then they, they plot points and themes are, are picked up in other, in, in other books. So let's get into X Factor number nine by Leah Williams and David Baldion. It's the penultimate issue. And what seems like the longest storyline since X of Swords or Ten of Swords, excuse me, the team is still dealing with Morrigan inhabiting Siren. God, this has just gone on forever. Uh, the team recruits Clark's third favorite character, Shatterstar, to deal with the problem. When he's on Krakoa, Richter and him realize that the other is on the island and they're hopefully going to bone in the, in, uh, the final issue. Uh, Dazzler, Leela Cheney, and DJ put on a concert. Kyle and Northstar can't figure out what they want to eat, but they do plan a dinner with Danny and Chian in order to hide shit from the Quiet Council. So, you know, there's only one issue left of the book. Like, and we just found out this week uh, that it's getting canceled. There's a lot of people online, specifically queer X fans who are very upset by it. We clearly have some complex feelings about that, but I wanted to get that. I want to get from y'all what you think. Uh, so let me start with Clark. What is my second favorite character? According to you. Shatterstar Ooh, as well. Uh, Tigra, Tigra, Tigra. Okay, I can go for that. All right. Um, in terms of the thoughts on the cancellation, I mean, <laughs> just in general, it needed to happen. This book isn't good. Um, it, it, it could have been good. The characters are good characters. It just it decided to pair weird characters up. I boy was in it for maybe 15 seconds altogether. Uh, the only thing I actually enjoyed, which we've talked about before, um, is the prodigy stuff. That, that's fascinating. Everything else was just not worked well together. It just, it, it wasn't crafted well. Adam, I mean, whoever you are, Ryan. My name is Ryan. We've known each other for years. Um, uh, I, I, the problem is with this. So a lot of people are complaining online with about this and you, you got to support your book. If you really do like this, you got to, you got to actually buy it. I mean, a lot of people mm -hmm. want to complain, but unfortunately it's you have to go out maybe physically buy it maybe just buy it online you have to do something if you want to support these books that you in theory want to thrive with that all said i didn't want this book to go away as fast as it did because i think it was building to something so i think it, it stinks because i think the writing had to force a lot of it all into these last couple of things, which we've seen with so much. We've seen with TV shows. We've seen with obviously comics. We've we've seen this so many times. It's it's a shame because some of these queer themes are really cool, really progressive, really different. And like I don't, it it's a shame we don't really get to see it in the right way. Like this issue for me, I'm like, okay, so this issue is about Shatterstar and Richter which have not been in the book. Am I wrong about that? Or was that eye boy in disguise? Like, I don't understand. With googly eyes all over. Like, I don't understand why we didn't spotlight our characters that were actually in the book. We got more characterization from Siren. 
more again, even we got more, like we just, we got more from them. So I, and I know it's because it was, uh, they, they heard down the line that basically, Hey, this is going to get canceled. So some of the stuff had to be pushed together, but it's very sad because the, the cast and it didn't even get to spotlight themselves. Caleb, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, I'm completely with you on, people not necessarily financially supporting the book because, hey, save the piracy for the Marauders. There was, this book was like heavily pirated. Like there was like stats out there that showed uh, showed that stuff. And also um, I got into you know some discussions online about this on House of X, a, a Facebook group that many of us are part of, as well as on our Twitter. It's like, I think the people who are mourning the loss of this book are mourning the fact that we don't have enough queer representation in comics and in pop culture in general, which I think is super, super valid. This book, even though it had queer characters ostensibly, it never really followed through except for some surface level stuff. There was supposed to be like all this stuff about, um, like Leah, Leah Williams talked about it on Twitter of like how she wanted to explore trans issues of like somebody who died might've been you know, uh, uh, presenting in one gender and come back, you know, in a different gender. Uh, and like, that's so interesting to me, um, you know, and ultimately, I mean, maybe it's not completely her fault, but it's maybe it's the editor's fault as well. It's like, you can't, after nine issues, you, I can't just uh, buy this book or uh, be in love with this book based on a promise. There's got to be something hmm. to get me there. And it never got there. And it's and it's hard it's hard to criticize it because all four of us who are on this podcast right now we're all gay men we want more queer representation it feels almost like you know not liking this book means that we're not liking queer stuff and at least that's I've been made to feel that way a few times online but it's 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 so disappointing to me it's so disappointing that like we couldn't get that book and I'm hoping you know it doesn't mean that like we are not going to see more books like that in the future Brett. Yeah, I think this book, you know, at the beginning has a one reason why people are so upset about it going is that it had a really great premise that there are going to be people whose bodies need to be resurrected and we got to make sure that they're dead and investigate their cause of death. Love the idea. And the fact that there's going to be queer representation, I think, excites a particular base of the Marvel, of the comic consuming community. The kind of post excitement the thing that looks good in retrospect is i think that there are a large of pl- uh, broader plot points that seem like they could have been filled in in an interesting way but just weren't like the stuff about going back to mojoverse at this point it feels like that could be an, that could have been an interesting callback but you kind of had to go to mojoverse way too soon in your storyline and so that felt like it was oddly paced even though I can now kind of see the broader structure that makes it work a little bit. And so, you know, as far as like queer representation goes, there was some stuff in this issue and in prior issues that I think was nice to see, which was the the everyday kind of uh, uh, queer love, like stuff between uh, North Star and his uh, husband, like that stuff I felt like there's so much small interactions that seem fine, but if I'm getting, if I want a book that really highlights queer representation, I can't have the same basic level stuff that a straight comic would have. Like, oh, a hug between two guys 
who are married to each other. Like I need it to be explored. I need it to go further. Clark? I um, need full bore yeah. penetration. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Mojoverse is a death knell for a comic. You shouldn't have, the, the fact that they start with that in issue three, it's, it's one of the least interesting to me concept in X-Men. It doesn't, I mean, it never plays out interestingly most of the time. And I think from that on, I just didn't really care all that much. And then we went to, I like Siren a lot, but we didn't need to deal with what three issues, four issues of that. I just don't understand the choice, like the, the plot choices. I don't, I, the characterization is totally off, but um, her, she has her characters, you know, they have their plans. It's just, they're going through these really dumb, boring situations. I don't know. I'm just disappointed in this whole thing. I don't know what to do. I'm gonna throw a plate, Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> Opa, um, uh, I would just like to celebrate something about this comic, which, and also just this week in general, which is it is truly Wind Dancer Week. She has made such a comeback in in this week's comics that I don't think anyone thought she was dead. She's got her powers back. She got a new job. She has like multiple jobs. She was both a what, what did she do for fucking Dazzler? Like, like she, she was like basically the stage performer yet the manager. And she was also running TV production for the, I'm like, good. Is there anything she can't do? Sophia. Oh my word. Like good, good on her. So um, I'm glad to see some of these mutants that we never thought would ever have a spotlight again, come into play a little bit. So I applaud that. And also DJ who the fuck thought a DJ would ever be successful. Kaylin. Would you like to comment? <laughs> well, um, I wanted to ask you all another question because when we got the news uh, about X Factor being canceled, we also found out that Leah Williams is going to be writing um, Trial of Magneto that's spinning off of uh, the Hellfire Gala. Uh, what do you all think? What do you think is going to happen? Do you, who do you think he's going to be accused of assassinating or killing? Well, First, we should say what it is. It's a five-issue miniseries, also written by Leah Williams. Um, obviously, as you said, spins out of it. The it's um, you know the point that Magneto seemingly has killed somebody, and then there's weird like I'm reading some place that it's a human, and some places that it's a mutant. So I we guess we either people are jumping to conclusions or we just don't know. Um, the alleged murder situation. I well because of that fact, I have no idea whether it's a human or a mutant. Human would make sense because it's one of the tenets of one of the laws but i don't know brent uh i thought it was going to be uh he was going to be tried by jumbo carnation for always slaying it with those outfits yeah that's pretty good i i i think it's maybe going to be like there's an assassination attempt and a human is responsible so magneto stops him and in the process probably maybe murders him and so it goes into the question of like, hey, murdering no human is okay. So what, what do we do with this person is kind of what I thought. Because I think that's the most relatable thing right now. If he just kills a bunch of mutants, I mean, hooray. That's just one of the orgies there. I don't know. Caleb, what do you think? Uh, so I think it is a human that's going to get killed. And I think people are going to see him doing it. But I don't think it's going to be him. I think it's going to be Mystique <gasps> pretending to be him. Uh, as she starts to like, um, oh, just, just, uh, oh, please, no, no, Joseph, no, 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 girl, I'll kill you. Uh, no but, uh, no clones allowed. Uh, but like Mystique, you know, they're like 
they've seeded the plot line in issue six of X-Men um, about, you know, like, uh, like you've got to like bring me back or like Irene says you have to bring me back or, or like uh, make the place burn. We know the next issue of X-Men, which is coming out in just a couple of weeks, it's the last issue before the Hellfire Gala stuff happens. And it's supposed to have a feature, it's supposed to feature both Mystique and Destiny, Destiny probably in flashbacks. Um, you know, so I think that's 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 what will likely happen. And watch me be proven wrong because I've been proven wrong many a time on this podcast. Clark? Now, one of the things we've also been told is that the reason that it's coming from Leah Williams is that the X Factor team is going to be investigating the whole thing. So they're going to be detectives. Yeah. It seems weird to Finally. be detectives if everyone has seen something happen. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I question because just because of the extremeness that was sword number five, that it's going to be related to Fabian Cortez, either like he is, you know, um, that he might be involved and he's the actual murderer or has kind of like, you know, jump started Magneto's power in such a way that he's not realizing he's killing somebody. I don't, I don't know. I just, that, yeah. that situation was so crazy that if there's someone against Magneto at the moment, that's the person. You know, maybe maybe Magneto isn't the one on trial. Maybe the trial is he's like the lead prosecutor, mm. and they're just trying to do a fake out. Exciting. I like that. I think Eminem's gonna die. Eminem's gonna die. Fine, fine. Why is he wearing black right. again? Why is he? Why did he change know. his outfit? Was that for the gala? I mean, no, he's, no, he's wearing the other gala. He's got that, like, you know, like that very uh, Sir Ian McKellen, like, look about him for the gala. Anyway, so let's move on to Children of the Atom number three uh, by Vida Ayala and guest artist Paco Medina. Carmen, a.k.a. Gimmick, feels un unappreciated but and decides not to go to Cole's place for dinner with Buddy, a.k.a. Cyclops Lass, and Gabe, a.k.a. Cherub. The latter two think Cole may be a mutant, can help them with the Krakoan Gates. Turns out he's a little bit human and a little bit mutant and doesn't take too kindly to be asked about getting to those gates. Oh, and there's a flashback about the uh, where the five main children crash land a spaceship into the Adirondacks and Carmen is turning into a werewolf, demon, <laughs> vampire, monster of some kind. Uh, so the question I have for you, okay, what the fuck do we think is going on with this book? Clark. I I assume that she was turning into a mutant. They already talked about you get sometimes you get really sick when you start becoming a mutant, and that's clearly what happened. But she was the sickness was happening right there. I mean, I don't know what's happening with this book at all. I don't really. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't. I clearly don't. Um, Adam. I mean, God, I'm going to call you Adam. My name day. is Brian. Well, because you're in the you're in the quadrant that Adam's usually in for me. Um, Ryan. Okay. Well, uh, move your quadrants around. Um. Uh. What the fuck is going on with this book? Is like, I I'm hoping at the end of the day someone is a mutant, but like I'm not, I, maybe it's not going to be true. I I I don't know why we're not seeing or like getting a little bit more info. They did a great job of red herrings all across the board because I'm very confused at this. This one especially, I'm like I don't know what is happening at all. What Brent, what do you think? Was there some explosion, you know, like earth destroying event that happened relatively recently? Because uh, they kept referring to then and somehow the kids are all in space. Uh, kind of made me think like it reminded me of that episode of Goosebumps where you see these kids at camp <laughs> and then you find out yeah. 
that they're all aliens and they're actually on the moon, but then they actually also turn out to be flies. Goosebumps was such a good show. So <laughs> but like, like maybe these are all, maybe they're all aliens who want to be mutants. I don't know. So I think like, I, I, I do like this book, even though like it's not giving me the answers quickly enough because I like the way Vita writes these characters. They feel like teenagers. You know, they've got a really good like grasp of that. And we see that in New Mutants as well. The other book that uh, Vita's writing. Um, I like the interaction. I, I really kind of love Carmen be feeling like almost like, uh, I don't know if she's like a middle child or the eldest child. She's the eldest because uh, uh, we see her two younger siblings. We're like, she's constantly having to do like all this work. And she feels like the only reason that people like her is because she can do stuff for them. And I, I find that very relatable. Um, and so I, I, I like all that. And then the stuff with Cole, when he's at home and he's having dinner with like them and then they have that weird big guy it felt very like clark and ryan you might remember this it felt very john sublime to me like mm-hmm. uh um like the character the the main adversary from the grant morrison run of uh, new x-men where like he was trying to graft like mutant parts onto humans because he wanted to like achieve that sort of like you know homo superior himself uh, so I got a little bit of that vibe, but it's just, it's, you gotta, you gotta give me a little bit more Vita. We gotta get some answers here. Otherwise, like we're just treading water. Brent, do you want to make a point? No, I just want to support my alien theory. It says they were leaving earth's orbit and there's like some weird massive nuclear explosion, but we don't know that they are returning to the same earth. I don't know. I, I think they're aliens. Clark. <laughs> I've already forgotten what I was going to say because that was... Um, well, then I'll jump in. Okay, what if they not... are... What if they are mutants and aliens? Like, yeah, it, can, that's, can that is the thing. Well, so technically they would still be X-Men because they are still have a mutation, but they are from another planet. Isn't that yeah. kind of fun? I'm kind oh, of on board fun. for this. Um, I feel like this is a series that needs to be read in trade because... It, it, the, the the mystery is going what one issue a month and we don't know when the mystery is going to even be revealed or what the mystery yeah. even is in terms of I, I, I have really no fucking clue what we're supposed to be waiting the impending anything just means nothing to me right now uh, Look, the other X Factor. Done, I okay, like the I, fact I, that all of our main characters are assholes who just kind of like didn't care that their friend Cole was in a coma after a while they're like oh well he's been sick for ages and in a coma so fuck him we don't have to deal with him anymore he was so quick on the takes to be like Oh, I bet you're only interested in me because of mutations, huh? Well, like, you know what? Dude, that is the paranoia I have around my friends as well. What do you well, want from me? Mutant freak show loving kids. They're he yeah, fuck them. Cole's the right. Cole's the right. Cole's in the right. <laughs> there you go. Um, I forgot what I was gonna say. Oh, I was gonna say, um, like we just talked about X Factor ending, and I even asked the question about X Core only lasting 10 or 15 issues. I can't see this lasting very long either. One, it's not going to be part of the Hellfire Gala uh, uh, like storyline in the other X book. So it won't have that kind of like uh, like that boost in sales for issue number four. Uh, and then I just think there's not enough of the other like well-known characters for people to really get to get into. Like I do enjoy it. I just feel like by issue 10 or 12, like we're going to, it's going to be wrapped up and we're going to just move on. Ryan? Yeah, we're in a place right now, especially with like 
everything uh, content just comes out so fast now. So like to, for us to not get the first six issues in a very condensed amount of time to know basically the premise, just who they are and just, just mission statement, just in general. And for them not to already be on another mission, it feels lagging on our very, uh, very uh extensively needing everything all the time world that we live in right now it's it's just harder to produce like a comic like that now yeah for sure uh, well let's move uh, we still have to suffer through two different characters having their you know full story which the characterization is really done very well it's it's going to take up so much time that we're not going to get enough mystery solving scooby-doo yeah well, let's move on to Guardians of the Galaxy number 14 by Al Ewing and Juan Frigeri. Uh The Guardians fight Dr. Doom, who switches his body with Hulkling during the skirmish. Uh, the recon team from the last issue finds out that the magic culty scrolls are in cahoots with Ego, the living planet, who turns himself into an insect egg, which will undoubtedly hatch into an even bigger bad. Oh, and Peter Quill transfers Doom's consciousness into Rocket Raccoon, uh, which is just really freaking adorable. And he gets drafted into the Guardians instead of being thrown into a galactic prison. Brent, you got a question. Yeah, let me ask this. Uh, are any of these characters aliens? I'm betting some of them are aliens. Just, just they're, 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 mut- they're mutants. They're mutants. Uh, my only question is, how much do we just love this book? Because I fucking love this book so much. Wait, really? I thought the Doctor Doom brain switching thing is so stupid. How can you tolerate that? That's I enjoyed awful. it. Awful. I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed it because it is definitely something that Doom would do. And then Quill just like kind of like subverting it and putting him into Rocket. I thought was just great. But it makes it seem like Doctor Doom. I mean, like villains have changed now, so they're not the megalomaniacs who kind of want to destroy or conquer the world for no reason they usually have like some more objective but he feels like he's from 1970 just i am doom i will destroy I that's am what makes him that's good. doom i hate that it is doom. That, that, doom. Is, that is who the get with the is. times doom he, get with the fucking the, character times so the writer the specifically archetype. wrote a scene being like i am doom i am groot because he is so on the nose with his over the topness <laughs> So the writer is very aware of what the Doom character is. With that all said, we kind of knew he was going to be on the team. So like oh. having the big reveal at the end, you're just like, I think we're beyond that. Like, I guess you're part of the team now. And like, I don't care. Although we know. We know. Come on, bitch. There's 47 See, members. Th- this is one thing where you need to, to it, th- we were talking about the trinary and join up that, that, could have already happened this was needed we needed to see why he was on the team because that is such a you know left turn from what we think would be functional or reasonable for this series um meanwhile i i absolutely loved absolutely love this series i mean it's just bizarre and funny as hell the moving pieces here there are so many moving pieces but they work so by comparison to what else we read this week where there are so moving so many moving pieces in x factor going on and didn't work a fucking all i mean we're two different worlds what 15 different characters and i think for me it flowed really well it's really interesting and i'm excited for what the fuck's going to go on with ego and the thing that's sitting inside of them yeah brian yeah it's um also they balance two storylines so in such a great way both of them were very over the top in all the right 
galactic ways, but I, they balance them in such a good way. I, I really, I really enjoy this series already. Um, uh, apparently 65 members on the team is the way to go about it. Cause it, it's just so fucking fun. It also kind of just reminds me of old school X-Men, um, how they th- like, we have too many, what do we do? And they just threw everyone at everything. It just makes a better story. And it, it's, it's very, not su- it's not suffering, which is great. It's, it's very Legion of the superheroes uh, for DC, which is like another, I mean, I know that's in the set in the far future, but like, it's a very like space oriented team. And the next issue, uh, we're going to have uh, them interact with S.W.O.R.D. So I'm really excited about that. So that's been our comics yep. this week. Brent, I'll turn do, it back do, over do, to do, you. Do, 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 do. It's a news flash. All right. As part of Marvel's LGBTQ plus one shot for pride, Marvel is introducing a new queer character by bringing back an old one from the dead. And it's Somnus. Somnus, a.k.a. Carl Valentino, has control over people's dreams. His new uh, look was designed by Luciano Vecchio, Vecchio, okay, and Vecchio. He'll, be, he'll be written by Steve Orlando. Uh, the story will focus on uh, how Somnus had a major impact on an X-Man long ago. What do you guys think of the outfit? What do we think of the character? Dish, dish, dish. Kayla. The, the design of the character reminds me a little bit of a character in DC called Pariah who was there during the, the crisis of infinite earths. And like, he's got this like sort of cape and kind of a flowy outfit. Like it's like, you know, flouncy and flowy. Uh, but I like it. I like that. Like we've been able to see kind of like two or three different versions of it. Like one with the cape, one without the cape. Uh, I'm excited. I think, I think it'd be good. Like Steve Orlando is a good writer and I love Lu- uh, Luciano Vecchio's art a lot. Ryan. Ryan. Yeah. I, I really like this character. I mean, I, he may have been dead for a long time, but I did follow him on Instagram for years before he was even resurrected. Um, so I will say his look is uh, weird, strange, right? Um, I don't really, it's kind of, it's kind of like uh, spacey, but I don't know. I don't love it. Do you guys? It was based off of an Etruscan vase. How can that be weird? <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. Uh what, what's it uh miss universe or whatever the fuck her name was from the uh that one series with uh do, do you know what i'm talking about it's it's sort no. of it i don't know it lo- looks inspired by stuff i i mean i'm into them i mean i hang out with them i invited them to happy hour next week so like i nice. he looks fun i uh love the outfit actually i to me i'm so excited for when the actual color Vanta black, you know, that color that like absorbs 99.9% of all light is so cheap that you can make fabrics out of it. So you get that really cool, like it looks like you're looking into a galaxy because every character who has that, I want their outfit, whether it's Wiccan or uh, anyone else who I can think of right now. Um, (laughs) I think it's great. I don't like his mask. It's kind of pointless, but uh, the rest of it, it's fun, and I would definitely wear it to map. Yeah, that's a good. Clark, do you have any thoughts on the character? No. Cool. Uh, all right. Uh, moving on. Adult Swim has announced three movies in the works for Aqua Teen Hunger Force, Metalocalypse, and Venture Brothers. They haven't said when the movies will be coming out, but did say they would have a 90-day period after the release date to sell online and through DVDs. And then they would be folded into HBO Max. 
the Venture Brothers will likely tie up some of the loose ends of their premature cancellation. Aqua Teen Hunger Force was always, you know, more of a hangout show. So even though it was kind of, it was canceled early-ish, the movie won't have to worry about like answering any questions other than like, what's the gang up to? Uh, and I really don't care what's happening in Metalocalypse. Um, my question is, Kaylin, um, you watched Venture Brothers or you won't let us forget that fact. Is that correct? <laughs> well, I, my question back to you is, are we going to finish Venture Time, our role-playing game we started in 2018 and never quite got to finish? No. And my question back to you would no. be, why would we punish the listeners that way? Because <laughs> we've been punishing them for four years. Why are we stopping now? Sorry, Kayla, what do you think about this? Uh, um, I mean, for Aqua Teen, I was never like that into, but they were, that's fine. Metalocalypse, I never watched. I can't even pronounce it properly. Venture Brothers, I'm excited about because I do love the show. Uh, I'm glad they'll be able to, like, um, you know, tie up some loose ends because the show, like, it didn't quite end on a cliffhanger, but I know there were more stories to be told and then it got canceled. So I think this is a great way to, like, finish everything off. Brent? Do you think, do you think this will be, uh, would you prefer it if this was a way to try and reinvigorate fans to get the show restarted or just tie up any left leftover loose ends and have it be complete. I would rather it be complete because it's been on for seven seasons and seven seasons in a movie. Um, so like the show's gone started in 2003 for God's sakes, you know, like I love this universe. I love what they were able to do and like build out the mythology as complex as it got. Like, I think let's just end it on a high note rather than try to keep going on for, you know, ad nauseum. Uh, Ryan, before we go to you, I want to ask, do you think this deal is a signal that people have a lot of faith in HBO Max going forward? <laughs> a thousand percent. Or they're trying to put a lot of faith into it. Uh, basically, I think anything that's been thrown out the window, HBO is like, I could do that. Um, <laughs> and I kind of I kind of appreciate that because they're coming out with some fun stuff and like stuff that got cut off like too soon. It makes sense what they're doing. Um, I will watch Aqua Teen, obviously. Yes in the same state that I used to watch Aqua Teen, which is Vermont something doing like just like a late at night and I shouldn't be going to bed, but I will watch the shit out of it. Um, to answer your question though, like I don't think this is opening for a reboot. I think we do that far too often. Let's just think about Will and Grace and how that was a disaster. Like let's not just reboot everything just to reboot it. Like, or even bring it back. Just let it, let it die. Let it die. Clark? I watched um, the previous Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie uh, called Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters, which, you know, is very Borat of it. Yes. Um, it. It was a date and it didn't go well. It was a date that didn't pass after the movie. Um, so we'll see whether this one's even any good either. What? Why was the date bad, though? And no one fingered anybody else in the movie theater. I don't know. That's the uh, rule. <laughs> Yikes. Who picked the movie? I'm assuming I did. That sounds like something uh, okay. I would do. See, I, I did like that because they when they spelled it out, it's Aqua Teen Hunger Force, colon, colon spelled out. Uh, yeah. But like in, in their last few seasons, they kind of went wild. Uh, 
with their names because they're like, we just think Aqua Teen Hunger Force is boring. So one season it was Aqua Unit Patrol Squad 1. Then the next season was Aqua something, you know, whatever, uh, which sounds like I wrote it. Uh, Aqua TV Show Show. And then Aqua Teen Hunger Force Forever. <laughs> Kaylin. Uh, I will say um, when they've done Venture Brothers movies, it's been like a one time for sure. And then like maybe one and a half times. Those have been some of my favorite episodes, like the season four finale where like Operation Prom. And then they had like an episode bridging like seasons five and six, which was called All This in Gargantua 2. Like that shit was off the chain. It was so good. So uh, I think the movie is going to be a lot of fun too. Okay, so um, moving on to other TV news, uh, the five episode part one of Masters of the Universe Revelation will be coming out on Netflix July 3rd. Kevin Smith is the showrunner and Netflix released some photos to go along with their announcement of the release date. It'll be picking up where the show left off in 1985 with a huge battle between He-Man, who's voiced by Chris Wood, and Skeletor, who I forgot was voiced by, is now going to be voiced by Mark Hamill, uh, that broke up the Guardians of Grayskull. Uh, it'll be the same thing, but different, but with similar looks, but the characters will have secrets and sadness now. Uh, how does this all portend for the success of this show? Caitlin? Um, so I say as somebody who loved the Shira reboot for the last few years that we've talked about on podcasts, including with our good friend, Sean Ellis, um, I'm worried about this because Kevin Smith is the nostalgia's fanboy of nostalgia fanboys to the point where I'm like, I'm worried about him just doing this love letter for something he enjoyed as a child or teenager, however old he was in the mid eighties. Like I'm, I'm just thinking back to his like green arrow, like reboot in like the early two thousands where they brought Oliver Queen back. It was just pure nostalgia porn. And I mean, I'll watch it. I love that Mark Hamill's doing the voice of Skeletor. I think that's cool, but I'm I'm not. I don't have a lot of high hopes for it. Ryan, yeah, uh, I think you've said it right. I'm worried about this. I don't think it's gonna be good. Uh, uh, the designs I'm sexually attracted to, like, but well, yeah, you're a gay man. I mean, come on, exactly, yeah, and that's what made me gay. Like, was seeing that all those years ago. Like, it's uh, it's doesn't look good. It does not look good. Um, but I'll probably watch every episode. Until Brent. they showed the kind of images for this, where the, it, the animation is being done by the same production studio that's doing Castlevania, and it has very much the same look as that. I did kind of think it was going to have a similar look to the She-Ra remake, that it would try and take a style, something that's more stylistically different. Because I'm not, I don't know who this is for. Who, who is really looking to, you know, watch this show? Is it supposed to be adults who are nostalgic about He-Man? Are they going to try and lean into some of the violence and more, uh, the more advancements we have in like basic plot development a la, you know, Game of Thrones? Uh, what, what I, I don't, I don't see it. It seems like they're targeting it to two different audiences. Caitlin? It is definitely for older fans who have fond memories of He-Man. And what I'm worried about is the toxic fanboys who are coming for She-Ra saying, oh, um, it's too blocky, it's too queer. You know, She-Ra isn't sexy enough. I mean, it's a cartoon for children, for God's sakes, she shouldn't be sexy. Um, like, like, 
it's going to be those toxic fans saying this is the right way to bring back these characters, not what Noel Stevenson did. And that's what I'm worried about too. Partially, it's just like, and it's not, that's not Kevin Smith's fault necessarily, but it's just it is just you know something that you can you know you can see very easily happen. Yeah. If you, the listener, uh, liked the old uh, uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, you should check out Sean Ellis's podcast, uh, Saturday Morning Cartoons podcast. He's gone through so many episodes of that show, um, and I'm sure you would love it. Uh, let's wrap up our show with a trip. Oh. Oh. I do have to say, Chris Wood is one of the hottest people ever, so I am excited to listen to him as Prince Adam slash He-Man. I mean, it has Lena Headey in it, and she's fucking fabulous, and I love the fact that Steven Root is going to be in a in any sort of animated show. Uh, and Diedrich Bader is is from my high school. He's the only slightly famous person, and that's sad because that is not someone you want to be like your alma mater's main guy. Um, oh, Chris Wood is attractive. Jesus. Okay, I just looked him up. It's, just, it's disgusting. Oh um, my I mean, god, not, he's I'm very not, attractive. Yeah. I'm not not looking forward to this, but I, I'm gonna watch it. The fact that I literally and I was gonna not say anything. I'm not gonna say anything. No spoilers at all. But um, I mean the fluidity of the fight scenes and art in Castlevania is amazing. So this will be gorgeous. Hmm. Yeah, there you go. Well, we'll not 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 be watching it as well. Um, <laughs> so uh, now let's go to the trailer park for. Just one lonely trailer. Uh, it's Venom. Let there be carnage, uh, guys. Uh oh, things are not looking too good for Venom in this romantic, comma action horror superhero film, as he has to face down natural redhead Woody Harrelson, who's run out of weed. What did you guys think? <laughs> uh, I mean, like the trailer. Clearly, they're trying to like lean into some humor. I just wish it was funny where uh, where where was that here? I, I mean it, it allegedly there, allegedly there ryan but like interesting that they have turned like the symbiote into slimer from ghostbusters where like he's like this supernatural thing in the first ghostbusters movie and then becomes you know part of one of the gang he's just there he's kind of hungry yeah. he's like helping can, out can Eddie. i can i just imp- uh, i think he's more b arthur uh honestly just like <laughs> well uh, <laughs> It's, even the voice is right a little bit. How <laughs> but, dare but the you be Arthur? I know the quips aren't there, though, so I would like to apologize. But yeah, okay. yeah, it's weird. It's buddy cop. I don't know why. Clark, what do you think? I mean, I, uh, the only thing I liked about the first one was the just bizarre stupidity of their relationship. I mean, it. I don't know. It's so tone deafly humorous to me. Not in like a, you know, it's wild that he's killing people. Ha ha. But just in the fact that just the, the way it's structured, it seems so dumb between the two of them. So I, I didn't not like, I'm going to say not, not again. Um, I, I see, I thought the humor was funny only because I thought it didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The relationship doesn't, the the humor between them doesn't make sense. And that's why it's funny because it's so, brokenly dumb that's a phrase i'm using um kaylin i mean no god uh, who are you ryan my name is ryan we've known I each other for bit. many years. so i love i, I love hate this bit. so much um Speak. Uh, <laughs> the, the humor is terrible i probably could have written this movie though because it feels like a movie i wrote honestly like the the vibe is off 
the humor's terrible. Like, I feel like I actually wrote this movie. Um, I feel the problem when Venom talks is every single time I'm like, is he about to be like, don't forget to get Doritos or something? Like, it feels like every <laughs> single time he talks, it's going to be some terrible promotion and like the worst dialogue ever. I, he, uh, he does uh, sound like your boyfriend after a bender. Do, oh, no, I was doing Java. Sorry. That was, I was oh, doing, okay. <laughs> I definitely think there's something about Venom's voice that it's like, it's never going to be perfect until it's actually the perfect voice actor. Like, like when you read a comic like Calvin and Hobbes, for example, like I know what they sound like in my head, but if I hear it cast it in any way, I'm going to go, that's, that's not the right voice unless it's absolutely perfect. And so just a generic, Hey, I'm making breakfast now kind of voice is just terrible that's good that's the, pretty the, spot on the part the part of this trailer that made me laugh the hardest is like 10 seconds in venom's making breakfast and tom hardy makes this shocked face and it's the face of someone who just learned that he's in venom 2 let there be carnage uh, <laughs> uh sorry i forgot what i was gonna say <laughs> well, aren't you aren't you excited that uh, Carnage is going to be in it and you know represented yeah. so well by Woody Harrelson? I mean, sure, <laughs> sure. And Woody Harrelson's a fine actor, but like, oh, I do remember what I was going to say. Like, I'm 100 percent with you on like if the voice is off, like it just feels off, and like you're not sure what it sounds like because I go back to like Batman the animated series with Kevin Conroy being Batman. He is Batman, just always will be Batman. Mark Hamill will always be the Joker with that voice, you know? Yeah. And like when they when they have other voice actors in animated, uh, uh, you know, adaptations, it just doesn't feel right. That's why I can't watch like the uh, DC animated movies now that I know Brent, you've been like going through right now, like all the Apocalypse War and all that kind of crap, but like, it doesn't sound like them. But if you could choose like your ideal Venom voice, who do you think would voice him? Ooh, good question. Amy Sedaris. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Nobody else answered. It's Amy Sedaris. I, I think that's the right answer. I mean, my, yeah. my backup was B. Arthur, but, you know. You She's know. dead. Rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if they just, they just had, uh, instead of having all these, like, dark black octopus tentacles going out, it's literally... Amy well, Sedaris peering outside of Tom Hardy and Amy Sedaris is grabbing stuff and eating people. And it's just quotes from strangers with candy the entire yeah. time. Yeah. I sold the TV. Yeah. Just like shit like that. The entire time. Come on. Uh, if we can me, make this movie happen. For me, it's not like an actual voice. I just think it's like, like a good, like a really harsh guitar solo from like an Iron Maiden song. Like it's gotta be super, <laughs> Metally, very like just like like you know pure cacophony for your ears ah, that's venom right there venom! um i did see one post on uh on instagram that i thought was very funny which was what is the reason why they made this movie if you flip <laughs> around the poster backwards it makes sense it just reads money <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's good okay um so that's been our podcast remember to check out our new extra issue on invincible season one with sean ellis of saturday morning cartoons podcast out now 
Uh, we've also got drinks and the alcoholics who drink them on Instagram with Bar Sinister. And of course, Vicky and Kiana talking more whenever that comes out. You can find us on Twitter at Homosphere X and, and Instagram at Homosphere Podcast. Uh, rate and review us if you like. We've been Homo Superior, the podcast you not, not, don't, not like to not listen to. <laughs> Bye.